Blog Talk Radio. Get a bell. 
you don't have one, ask someone for one. And please join me as we all across this planet Earth that we call Earth, where all the strange things happen and we bring them to light on this show, Night Owls Radio. Go and stand out there and ring your bell on this Christmas Eve. That is all the way from Australia. This is now 30 years old, this little koala bear that I got stuffed koala bear. He's gray. He's all the way from my friend in Australia. I got him one Christmas about 33 30 years ago. This, and I arranged the little bell for A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens every single Christmas Eve here on Blog Talk Radio. Now, oh, my toes are cold being out there. It is really just that cold out there tonight. Whew! I had to walk in it, too. Tonight's show, which, as I mentioned, is the 12th year in a row for A Christmas Carol. Dickens' A Christmas Carol here, brought to you live on Christmas Eve every year by Miss X. Tonight's show is especially dedicated to Covenant House and to every single person who was out, homeless, without a home, was alone tonight again on Christmas Eve, alone. Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day. Anybody who's cold and alone, and it is very cold out here now. Oh, I wish you could feel it with me. And if you're in a cold temperature, you know, I'm almost up to the North Pole by Santa. we got to go look at the Santa tracker on Google. You know, Santa was busy earlier today. He was busy. But, oh, it's cold out here. Oh, so we're giving this again. Tonight's show is especially dedicated to Covenant House. Location, headquarters in New York City. And now, 12th year in a row, sit down around your fire. Ah, listen to that beautiful holiday Christmas music around your fire. Enjoy your Christmas feast. It's the night of... No work tonight, Ebenezer. Get me on the table. It's Christmas Eve, Ebenezer. And Eddie Wiggy Ball. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. The first of the three spirits. We all know that Scrooge was dark gray and miserly, just like that dark gray sky of 1830s London, England, in which he strode every single day. He worked till 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve. He made poor Bob Cratchit, his clerk, work. That rhymes. Clerk work until 7 or later on Christmas Eve. And then Bob Cratchit got to go out and slide in the snow. And carry home a turkey and sing some songs. But of course he couldn't afford a turkey, neither can this act. And the reason he couldn't afford a turkey is because Scrooge, his boss, was such a miserly, mean, crabby man. How did he become that way, you ask? Well, it all started when Scrooge was rejected by the woman that he loved 
because Scrooge favored money, ah, finances, above all. And he had a partner named Jacob Marley who had passed away this very night of Christmas Eve. As Scrooge strode home this particular Christmas Eve, he thought that he saw Marley's reflection in the door knocker of his front door. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And a scary Marley ghostly voice. And an apparition by Marley in which Marley told Scrooge, you are not asleep. This is not a dream. You are not dreaming. It actually was an apparition. Was this because Scrooge was feeling a tad bit remorseful for not getting any money to all the poor people and making people go into debt who owed him money, making them go into debt? Hmm? Well, was he feeling a bit bad? Well, could be, because a couple of men had stopped by his accounting house that very Christmas Eve, very Christmas Eve, to ask for money to help all the poor people on the streets of Victorian England, all the people that were in need, O-R-A-W-E-N-R, all the people that were in need. But Scrooge really could not have cared less. He figured that all of the government institutions that were in place would help those people. Could it be that Scrooge had a little bit of a conscience, a little bit of goodness still left in him, that he felt bad for not giving money to those people. Was that the reason that he was seeing his old partner, Jacob Marley's ghost, that night? Was that the reason why? (laughs) Jacob Marley promised him that you will be visited by three spirits tonight. I'd rather not. I'd rather skip that whole thing, too. I mean, really, I'd rather not. Look at that white angel upon your tree. I have lit by beautiful Christmas lights that someone gave to Miss X this year. Wonderful friend gave to me. But back to Marley and Scrooge. Scrooge and Marley. The first of the three spirits visits Scrooge. Scrooge awoke. It was so dark he could scarcely distinguish the window from the opaque wall of his chamber. He knew that he had to listen until the clock struck the four quarters, so he listened for the hour. Because remember, Marley had told him he would be visited at one, two, and three o'clock. Oh, and that 3 a.m. spirit was the dark cloak, scariest, blackest one of all. You know, Scrooge is like me. I looked around and I said, how could it be 2.30 a.m. in the morning when it's light outside and it was 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon? It is impossible, said Scrooge. I can't have slept through a whole day and fallen into another night. It isn't possible that anything has happened to the sun. And this is 12 at noon. He was alarmed by this 
scrambled out of bed and groped his way to the window to rub the frost off of the sleeve of his dressing gown. Oh, and let's not forget, was the night before Christmas went off to the house. Not a creature was stirring, not even an end. Scrooge went to bed again and thought and thought, thought it over and over. But the more he thought, the more perplexed he was. Was it a dream or not? Marley's ghost bothered him exceedingly. At length, the cock broke upon his listening ear. Ding-dong! A quarter past, said Scrooge, counting. Half past, said Scrooge. Ding-dong! As the clock continued to chime off the hours, Scrooge awaits a visit from the first spirit. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside by a hand. Oh! And Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face-to-face with the unearthly visitor. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man, viewed through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportion. Its hair was white as if with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it. Scrooge looked at it with increasing steadiness. Was not its strangest quality. The figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness. Wow. Now being a thing with one arm, now with one leg, and now with 20 legs. Now a pair of legs without a head. Now a head without a body. Are you the spirits uh, coming with foretold to me? I am. The voice was soft and gentle. Who and what are you? Scrooge demanded. I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Gone past? No. Your past. What would you so soon put out with worldly hands, the light I give? Is it not enough that you are one of those whose passions made this cap? Scrooge wanted to know what the spirit was there for. Your welfare, said the ghost. Scrooge expressed himself much obliged, but could not help thinking that a night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to that end. Your reclamation, then. Take heed. It put out its strong hands and clasped him gently by the arm. Rise and walk with me. Good heavens, said Scrooge, finally finding himself in the place where he was brought up. I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. The spirit gazed upon him mildly. Your lip is trembling, said the ghost. And what is that upon your cheek? Scrooge begged the ghost to lead him where he would. So he finds himself back in his childhood home, said Scrooge. These are but the shadows of the things that have been, said the ghost. They have no consciousness of us. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still at Christmas time. They went, the ghost and Scrooge, across the hall, the melancholy room made bitter still by lines of plain deal forms and desks. 
At one of these, a lonely boy was kneeling near a feeble fire, and Scrooge sat down upon a form and wept to see his poor forgotten self as he used to be. <laughs> said Scrooge, nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given him something, that's all. The ghost smiled and said, let us see another Christmas. And now the room is a bit dark, a little darker and more dirty. A little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in and putting her arms about his neck, addressed him as her dear, dear brother. <laughs> Oh, my. She didn't cough, though. Dear, dear, brother. I've come to bring you home. Home, little fan. Yes, home for good and all. Home forever and ever. Father is so much kinder than he used to be that home is like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one dear night that I was not afraid to ask him once more if he might come home. And he said, yes, you should, and sent me in a coach to bring you, and you're to be a man, and I'm never to come back here. So Scrooge went home for that, Kristen. Oh, he's a delicate creature. Hold my breath, my little woman, said the ghost, but she had a large heart. So she had, cried Scrooge. I'm going to get to Scrooge as a young adult when he's working for Fezziwig. The night of Fezziwig's ball, Christmas Eve, tonight. I was apprenticed here, said Scrooge. No, my boy, said Fezziwig. No more work tonight, Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer, let's have the shutters up, cried old as he wig with a sharp clap of his hand. Come away, my eyes, and let's have a lots of room here. There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away, for the room in the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and writable as you would desire to see upon a winter night. As you came a fiddler. <laughs> let me do some nice English dances. <laughs> what I'm doing right now. Live on air. That says you wish ball. I'll miss the candles of Christmas Eve. And soon, Scrooge will be visited by the ghost of Christmas present to see all the horrible ways that he has treated his worker. And this poor little boy, Tiny Tim. Scrooge doesn't pay his clerk Bob Cratchit enough. Or poor little Tim Cratchit, who's on a crutch, just like the next one. My time grows short, observed the spirit. Quick, this was not addressed to Scrooge or to anyone whom he could see. But he was older now. All of a sudden, he became older and is getting ready to greet the next spirit, 
Spirit number two, which is the spirit of Christmas present. What is going on in your life in the here and now, at this very moment, as you are listening to this show? At this very moment. They are, they are, but they are. Do not blame me, the ghost told Scrooge. <laughs> Remove me, Scrooge exclaimed. I cannot bear it. The spirit drops beneath it. And then Scrooge was back to his own bedroom. Now being prepared for almost anything, five minutes, ten minutes, a quarter of an hour went by, yet nothing came. Yet, all this time, he lay upon his bed. Then a strange voice called him by his name and bade him enter to see the source and secret of this ghostly light. He was in his own room. There was no doubt about that. But the walls and ceilings were so hung with living green and bright, gleaming berries. The crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy. All the sex had to stand under the mistletoe tonight just by herself. And this spirit holds a glowing torch to symbolize how rich Scrooge is in the present. As this now is the spirit of the present. Come in, come in, I know me better, man. Scrooge entered timidly. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. She was clothed in one simple green robe, bordered with white fur. You have never seen the like of me before, exclaimed the spirit. Never. Scrooge made answer to it. Touch my robe. And suddenly, Scrooge found himself in front of another house, but this one was in a part of town that was not at all cheery. Christmas dolls to peck at if they chose. Steeples called all good people, all, all good people, all to church and chapel. And away they came upon Christmas. You would deprive them of their means of dining every seventh day, often the only day on which they can be sent to dine at all, said Scrooge, wouldn't you? I, cried the spirit, you seek to close these places on the seventh day, and it comes to the same thing. I seek. Scrooge tries to blame the spirit for his own stinginess. Think of that. Bob had but 15 bob a week himself. He pocketed on Saturdays but 15 copies of his Christian name. And the ghost of Christmas present blessed his four-roomed house. Mrs. Cratchit, Peter Cratchit, and two smaller Cratchits, boy and girl. Oh, a ghost, a ghost, we're going to have a ghost. A ghost, a ghost, a ghost, 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 ghost. A ghost for Christmas Day. And there hustled Tiny Tim and bore him off into the wash His active little crutch was heard upon the floor, and back came Tiny Tim before another word was spoken, escorted by his brother and sister to his stool before the fire. And Scrooge stands there observing all this. 
they can't see him, nor can they hear him. They went on and on about the goose, even though it was a small thing. It was a lot, a lot for them, because they were so poor, so poor when the crutches. God bless us, everyone, please, said Tiny Chin. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost, and a crutch was on Nona. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No! Oh, no, kind spirit, say you will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my race, returned the ghost, will find him here. Mr. Scrooge, I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed, cried Mrs. Cratchit. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, the children, Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day, I am sure, said his wife. And which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man? As Mr. Scrooge, but I'll drink his health for your sake and the day's. Long life to him, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. By this time it was getting dark and snowing pretty heavily, and Scrooge and the spirit went along the street. They know me. See, returned the spirit, a place where miners live, labor in the bowels of the earth. And Scrooge's nephew and the nephew's wife have a lovely, lovely Christmas day after spending years inviting Scrooge to come. He never did. And then once again, at the third hour, 3 a.m., the scary hour of the morn, there appears a third spirit to Scrooge, just as Marley promised. I fear you, Spectre, said Scrooge, more than all the rest, because this third spirit didn't speak, was covered in a black, dark, long cloak, didn't appear to have any facial features which you could see. All he did was point the way with a scary, bony, long finger. A finger. The last of the spirit. The phantom slowly, silently approached. For in the very air through which this spirit moved, it seemed to scatter gloom and mystery. The phantom moved away as it had come towards him. Scrooge followed in the shadow of its dress, which bore him up, he thought, and carried him along. Scrooge advanced with the spirit to see some men speaking together. Where did he die? Last night, I believe. Why? What was the matter with him? I thought he'd never die. No, said the first. What has he done with his money, Esther Redface gentleman? I haven't heard. Left it to his company, perhaps. He hasn't left it to me. That's all I know. But uh, it's likely to be a very cheap funeral, for by my life I don't know anybody to go to it. 
supposed to make up a party and volunteer. I don't mind going if lunch is provided. Well, I am the most disinterested among you, after all, for I never wear black gloves and I never eat lunch. Scrooge listened again. He knew these men perfectly. They were men of high business, very wealthy and of great importance. I will keep on keep holy this day every year. Scrooge promises to keep Christmas holy when the Spirit leads him to his own grave site. Yes, he takes him to a cemetery to show him his future, and he points silently, silently and gravely to a gravestone upon which is etched the word Ebenezer Scrooge. No, please, may I wipe away the writing on this stone? I have said Scrooge. I will keep Christmas in my heart every single year. Oh, merciful heaven, what is this? And they find he wakes up in his own room, clutching onto his own curtains. And he calls the boy that he sees below his window and says, is that turkey still for sale? What? The one is and the kid goes to the grocer that happens to be open on Christmas Day, which is really strange because I don't think grocers were open in Victorian England, in Victorian London on Christmas Day. Why, I can remember a time when grocery stores weren't open when I was around, even in my lifetime. It was all heavily ever after because Scrooge lived on to be the greatest Christmas man that the great old city ever knew. That would be London, by the way, the great old city. And again, I say to you, have a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. Thank you for listening all this year again to Night Owls Radio on blogtalkradio.com, the place that keeps all you little Night Owls company. And until next time, happy screams! Mm-hmm.